Well, Scott, Wolves fans have rolled snake eyes yet again. KG isn't typically one to rattle the cage, but now it's a wrap. The scales remain unbalanced. A jersey retirement isn't going to happen. It turns out that Garnett and Glenn Taylor have a history. Welcome to episode 136 of Wolves Cast, the show about a team who has very likely played its final game of the season. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Ooh, getting snaky in here. I just feel like the relationship has uh, been very venomous between Garnett and Glenn Taylor. You could say that it's a the relationship has been poisoned. You could say that. Yeah, you would be you'd be right to say that for sure. I, I believe. Uh, I never knew he could be so cold-blooded. Ooh, ooh. They just keep coming. The snake puns are good. The snake puns are strong in this episode. We'll, we'll make sure that uh, we drop a few more. Let's uh, let's have you in post-production add in the KG drop about Glenn Taylor. <laughs> add it in right here. He's dealing with Glenn, who, who doesn't know shit about basketball. Glenn. Yeah, that's, that's the spot. That's the spot. Now, we all we all know how he feels. It's, uh, you know, it was said in some different terms maybe this week. But, uh, you know, we understand that there's uh, no love lost between those there two. Was, there was absolutely no new information, but it was an all-time <laughs> great quote from KG that we'll probably be quoting for a long time. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh, yes, Wolf's cast back with you here this week thanks for tuning in everybody appreciate you uh listening uh to our show as we continue on here in these uh tough times these quarantine times uh we're coming to you again in a remote broadcast uh our second of all time i am uh we we are in separate south south minneapolis homes that's right only a couple miles separate us but it feels like an ocean we (laughs) haven't haven't seen each other in weeks upon weeks i'm missing josie the dog yeah uh it's not the same recording Wolf's cast without her here, um, but we're recording on April 9th. It's a Thursday night, uh, and the Timberwolves would have played a home game against the Sacramento Kings if uh, if the, the NBA had still been going strong, which seems weird because it feels like we haven't had the NBA for like five months. Yeah, it's been a long time, but yeah, the Wolves would have been getting a win tonight as we record this. That's I, I broke down and I bought NBA 2K20 this week. Oh, nice. And uh, Maya Moore is in the game, which is the best. I've basically only been playing as the Lynx. Wow, that's incredible. I, lo- I love to hear that. I didn't know that was the case. That's great oh, to hear. She, she's so good. <laughs> Hopefully she'll be back someday. Uh, so, yeah, we are, um, you know, we like we said in the intro, we kind of feel like this this regular season is over. You know, hopefully the NBA can uh, find some way to, you know, play play through some some playoffs and, and have an eventual champion maybe later in the summer. But uh, things aren't looking so great, uh, especially for, uh, uh, yeah, having uh, fans in attendance in big arenas and big gatherings like that. And things. I'm a hundred percent positive. There's no more Timberwolves yeah. games. For yeah. This season. Yeah, that seems like where where we're at right now. So we just. Thought- I'm hoping we'll get like a full playoffs. You know, 16 teams playoffs. But I don't even think we're gonna get. That. That. Yeah, and and especially where the wolves were, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like it's yeah. like we were kind of ready for you know it to be over. It was, it was really tough to watch. Kind of felt like Towns wasn't going to play too many more games. They could really not not really improve their you know lottery position even more. So just about in any way you look at it, other than you know the joy of watching your favorite team play, uh, you know this is not not too bad of an outcome, I would say. Yeah, like I said before, I would be heartbroken if I were a Milwaukee Bucks fan and this was happening. But for a Timberwolves fan, it's not so bad. Uh, like you said, we're in good lottery position. And 
while there was a little bit of hope that we could see some Towns Russell games by the end of the season, you pointed out it was a long shot and most likely Towns wouldn't have come back. So no big deal for us. Yeah, so what we're going to do this week is do a, do a proper season recap episode. And hey, if the Wolves do come back, well, we'll be pleasantly surprised and maybe we'll, we'll, you know, we'll add an addendum or something like that to it. But it kind of feels like uh, Not gonna six, happen. 65 games, I believe, is what they got to. Um, or 64 games, actually. Yeah, 64. Um, you know, that that is where this season ends for the Timberwolves. So we got to talk about those 64 games in this season that was uh, thinking all the way back to October and just kind of going through the season to we're going to, you know, dive into the main uh, storylines throughout the season. And then we were we will also uh, give out some awards, like some uh, season wide wolfies, if you will, for some superlatives and um, some notable performances and just a whole bunch of different things from this season as a way to kind of wrap things up. Yeah, I love season wrap-up shows. They're usually one of my favorites to record. This one's a little weird, but uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, let's get it started with our record for the year, 19-45. and 45. Woo. Uh, That's 14th in the West. I remember coming into the season and seeing all these Western Conference teams retooling and thinking, man, are the Wolves only better than like the Suns, the Grizzlies, and you know, a couple other teams came to mind. It turns out the only team we're better at than in the West was Golden State, which is the one team you probably wouldn't have predicted, you know, <laughs> being the worst yeah the, the bottom was very strange this year yeah some very unexpected teams including the wolves i don't think yeah even if you were a wolves pessimist i don't think you would have put them at 14th or 13th or something like that no i mean we all we both picked the under on the over under but uh they were they were even worse than our expectations yeah, I kind of, I didn't uh, totally game it out here, but I feel like the Wolves were kind of on pace for I think like twenty four wins potentially, or like twenty five or something like that. So you know, if it would have all, you know, all, all eighty two would have been played, you might have been able to get into the mid twenties uh, somehow. But instead, they will end with nineteen. Kind of reminds me of uh, back in some of those, some of those real, real, you know, those Rambus years. 15 win seasons yeah yeah where you have like a teen number in there i mean it's kind of an asterisk here because you didn't get to 82 played uh but seeing a teen number (laughs) a 19 there in the win column is is hard to see but also kind of familiar for timberwolves fans i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the timberwolves definitely would have at least won 20 games if they played the rest of the season yeah yeah hot take would have hit the 20s yeah yeah what else got give us some more of these uh final team stats here for this season uh, offensive rating 23rd Oof. defensive rating 21st weird mm. huh yeah, yeah not too especially bad. i was just looking at the basketball reference page for the team and we were ninth in points scored per game and we were 28th in opponent points scored per game so you would think from that we'd have a better offense than defense but it's just because we played at such a fast rate we were ninth in in buckets and uh still had a better defensive rating than offensive rating and really that defensive rating came from just a couple weeks stretch when towns was out we had a losing streak during that time but gorgie starting at center him and roco made us one of the best defensive teams in the league for a stretch and that was maybe one of the more unexpected things of the season but it's good overall for a net rating of 25th that's right only five teams worse than us (laughs) Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I mean, obviously these team stats kind of skewed by this year as we'll get into so just kind of a strange year that it was your best player essentially missing half the year and you know all the upheaval of the roster and everything. So, oh, yeah. you can't really draw too much out of out of this start of the strange season that was, but you know, I kind of wanted to remark on that. But yeah, the um th- Timberwolves finished with the third worst record in the NBA, uh, but that's the third best 
lottery odds. So um, actually, it's tied for the best lottery odds because now the lottery works that the worst three records all have the exact same odds yeah. for the number one pick. So we are. It's kind of the best place to be in. We're not the worst or the second worst team in the league, but we have the exact same odds as the worst team in the league for that number one pick. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. So obviously, that is uh, something that will be uh, you know yet to come. The lottery, and then um, and then the eventual draft. You know, we'll be oh, that's going to be such a mess anyways because you yeah. can't have combines. It's going to be really hard to scout these kids. There was no NCAA tournament this year, and it was already supposed to be a weak draft class. So it figures we're going to get the number one pick in the one year where it's just like, who the hell knows with what's going on with the draft? Yeah, the WNBA draft is, uh, as we record this, a week, uh, one week away, and, and they're just going on with the normal date as, as it was supposed to be. But yeah, they basically have the all these restrictions on you know video conferencing, how many hours you can do per player and there's no in-person workouts obviously and all this stuff so could yeah. you imagine the the bidding war that's going on for the NBA draft by like Zoom or you know uh, WebEx <laughs> yeah, or you yeah. know any of these telecommuting companies like Skype all bidding to be like we want to have the Zoom NBA draft <laughs> where it's like now we're going live to this kid's basement where he's on uh, on the webcam. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's what they're gonna do for WNBA next week. It's up bumped up the ESPN. That'll be great. Encourage everybody to watch that next weekend. And then NFL draft is you know coming up eventually. Then too, I think they're they've already locked in that remote kind of thing too. So they will you know have a similar situation and yeah it'll be it'll be part of our weirdo uh, summer of non-sports i guess i can't wait to see which draft pick has like a green screen background that's something right. like inappropriate or maybe like something like tiger cane <laughs> in the background you know yeah and then all the memes just hack it afterwards and just put anything on there oh yeah totally and it's like this this player fell two spots in the draft because of his choice of zoom background yeah uh, all right, let's uh, let's jump into the, the top stories of the season. We kind of uh, thought about what the biggest, uh, you know, sort of tentpole uh, happenings or moments uh, from the season storylines that we had here, and uh, you know, we'll do these sort of chronologically. Some will be jumping yeah, around. Felt, obviously, I felt like it was really a tale of three seasons, and so <laughs> the first the first part of the season was the unexpected great start for the Timberwolves. Uh, yeah. We started the season four and one, looking like the best team in the league. Obviously, we knew that was going to continue, uh, but we were even like I don't know, like seven and four at one seven point. And I four, think we, yeah. We were nine and nine at one point, so it's just like wow. We thought this season was going to be a long shot to make the playoffs, but if Wiggins can continue playing like this because Wiggins had just a game busters first 20 games it was just like a brand new Andrew Wiggins and we're all like oh wow has he finally turned the corner if he can finally be Robin to Carl Anthony Downs Batman maybe we uh actually have a shot at the playoffs this year and that was a very fun time to record podcasts we were we were telling everybody this wasn't for real and it was too small of a sample but at the same time a thrilling part of the season yeah, it's always nice to come out of the gates like that. You know, there's so much excitement around the season and, you know, it can go away so quickly. And so even though it was, you know, a fleeting few weeks for the Timberwolves and their fans, like I think, you know, it was just it was just nice to kind of, especially after all the, you know, rah, rah, kumbaya, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the, as far as the whole group, uh, you know, getting together and going to the Bahamas and, you know, just the, the, the glow of the new GM hire, you know, all that 
sort of happening. Playing a drastically different system we were really getting used to. It was like the first time we've seen the three-point chucking Timberwolves ever. <laughs> so that was very thrilling as well. The whole national media had a week where they all wrote about how Wiggins is finally proving them wrong. They were like, oh, were we all wrong about Andrew Wiggins? That was fun as a Wolves fan to see national media acknowledge that. And then maybe even most encouragingly, uh, one of the more bizarre incidents in the season was, I think, game three in Philadelphia when Cat and Embiid got into a fight and both got ejected and suspended. And we won the next game without Cat in Washington. And then we played the Bucks at home and had a, a pr- all right contest against them without Cat. And we just thought, wow, if we're this good without Cat, maybe it is for real. Yeah. The, so, so the beginning was was lots of fun. But I think, as you mentioned, you know, we kind of, you know, we were keeping our eye on it. We, we weren't totally fooled. We weren't, <laughs> we weren't believing this was going to be the whole season. But when you start out like that, you just, yeah, and the sample gets a little bit bigger. But yeah, the sample was the, was, I guess, the buzzword uh, for the first uh, few weeks there and just like wondering if it would be able to hold. And, and you know, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's hard to know kind of how things would have gone you know, without the, you know, sort of the way just Towns went out, you know, he was, he was out for those two and then, you know, played a bunch and then the knee issue, you know, kind of came up. We'll talk more about his injuries here coming up, but, you know, obviously that was just like, once the injuries started coming, that's when things kind of started to unravel a little bit further from that, from that hot hot start. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's my, I said tale of three seasons. That was season one was (laughs) first uh, two weeks. Yeah. Encouraging start, you know, good. Uh, not even just first two weeks. I mean, we were nine and nine, and even at that yeah, point, right. we were playing pretty well. So I would say, like the first month or so, it looked really good. And then uh, that transitions us to our season two, which is the losing streaks, the Towns injuries, and maybe worst of all, Chris Paul snitching to the refs. <laughs> yeah, Towns uh, obviously is most his most injured season. Uh, you know, numbers for Towns uh, throughout this season look great. You know what I mean? Averages, you know, look about the same, a little bit down in rebounding, but as far as points scored and as far as the number threes he's taken, those went way up. Uh, free, th- he was, free throws attempted were up. So a lot of ways he was a better player. Obviously, it's a much smaller sample size. He only played 35 games this year. He finished sixth in the league in PER and top 10 in true shooting percentage. So, you know, those are our rates. And so obviously the counting numbers aren't there because he only played 35 games. But at least in the games we got, we got, you know, top six in PER. That means he was one of the best 10 players in the league when he did play. Yeah, so Towns, like I said, 35 of the 64 games uh Timberwolves games played uh it's kind of you can kind of just it kind of went like this I just just looked at basketball reference and it went like this he played the first four games then he missed two due to suspension then he played 19 games um then he missed 15 after that for the for the knee issue uh then he came back and played 12 and then he missed the final 12 because of his uh wrist so on again, off again. Again, nineteen straight games there. That was pretty good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the team's record was during there. I mean, obviously they weren't, you know, above 500 or anything like that. Maybe right at 500 is probably what I would guess they would be in the games he played. Just in that 19 game stretch there. Um, but yeah, on again, off again. Very frustrating to have you know a guy who's just been so healthy for his first four seasons in, in the league, you know, to kind of turn around and, and have a season like this must have been super hard for him. But just as fans, too, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, sure. You know, we were – and I think you can get back to that. I mean, the injuries he did have, you know, the knee is, is a little bit more um, concerning, I suppose. The wrist is something that I feel like surgery will probably be what's happening. And, you know, he, he can get back. That's – you know, you don't worry about necessarily, you know, wrist-type uh, injuries, uh, uh, you know, following you for a long time or whatever. So – 
nothing catastrophic, nothing that you would worry about, uh, you know, for many years going forward um, like that. So, uh, especially because he gets all the time in the world to rehab that wrist now, yeah, you know, yeah. there's no there's no danger of them pushing him back too soon for the wrist. Um, but yeah, he played 23 of the first 25 games of the season. At that point, uh, when he went out with his knee injury, we were just a couple games under 500. And then, so for Towns, it's frustrating because we look like, you know, the team's finally built around him. He's thriving and we might have an outside shot at making the playoffs with him as our best player. And then by the time he comes back, the playoffs are gone. We went on a 13 game losing streak by that point. So it was just like, oh, uh, this is going to be another losing season. And then he finally gets like his best friend on the team and he doesn't even get to play with him because of more injuries. So it had to be like a total bummer of a season for Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Uh, yes. And now, you know, his, his mother's in the ICU or whatever still, you know, not really yeah. too many updates about that. I mean, uh, I believe uh, Kentucky coach uh, John Calipari mentioned on a podcast this week that uh, I think she's still still hanging in there, but still in the hospital potentially. So, you know, I think that's still an ongoing situation as we record this again here on uh, the 9th of April. Uh, but yeah, the town's injuries, you know, just just def- definitely one of just the biggest things of this season. If you had to sort of sum up the season, I would probably lead with the fact that our best player missed, you know, just about half the games, right? That has to be, especially for a guy who's historically just been so durable, I think that's probably the most, uh, obviously other than the roster overhaul, probably the most notable sort of singular thing that happened this year. Yeah, I think when we were talking, when we were recording pods during that early boom, uh, we said, well, that maybe this team, all the things that have to go right for this team to make the playoffs, and one of those was we don't have Towns missing that many games. So I was surprised, you know, earlier on when we were the 14th team in the West, but if you had told me, yeah, Towns only played half the games, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's how you're bad. Your best player doesn't play, that's, that's, that's lottery for you. <laughs> Especially when there's such a huge drop-off between Towns and then the next best player on the team. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Towns injuries. Uh, and then the other thing I think we have to talk about for um, notable things about this year were just like the long losing streaks. Um, just two. So they had losing streaks of 13 games, 11 games, and then here at the end they had a five-game losing streak. So uh, in the longest winning streak uh, was the beginning of the season, the first three games of the season. That was the Woo-woo. first three games, get three in a row, Unbeatable. and that's it. Uh, they only had four two-game winning streaks, so they only won back-to-back games four times throughout the whole year. And, I mean, those streaks were just Ooh. so demoralizing. And, again, I think are a major, like, sort of plot point in the story of this season of just – just they just uh, – I mean, we went through it twice, and it's crazy that we went through two double-digit losing streaks. And they're just demoralizing for the fans, for the players, just for everybody involved. It's just it's so, so, so hard. And, you know, I think it was – you know, that pain point was, was a big part of the season. Yeah, I remember how dejecting or, or dejected I was recording a podcast every week and being like, okay, the win total is the same as the last two weeks we recorded, <laughs> yeah. but maybe next week the win total, we can raise it by one. And just like it's it's easy now to fantasize about watching NBA games and getting to watch the Timberwolves, but there were times during those double-digit losing streaks where I was like, do I have to watch the Wolves tonight? Like, <laughs> I know I know we're playing a team that's better than us, and like it's going to be like Andrew Wiggins and the Timberwolves. That, it's just like, oh, I, I really had to force myself to watch a few games this season. Yeah, especially when yeah you you were you know shorthand again without without Towns without some of your best players in there. Uh, it just got to be so crazy, and yeah, the team is. Just, just struggling mightily, and you know, just lo- yeah, like you said, losing to lesser teams, and 
Gosh. playing a system that didn't fit our players. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I got to watch the Timberwolves and Trevion Graham like <laughs> clank three pointers all night. Like I was happy they were taking those shots. I was still happy. I knew what was going on. I was happy we had changed our system. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, we're going to watch players who aren't right for the system. Just, you know, brick shots all night. Yeah. And it's not necessarily what you have in mind. When, even when you think of like a rebuild or you think of like, a, you know, sort of, you know, just some, all right, we're changing up the system. We're going to play in a different way. You're like, all right, there's going to be some, some bumps along the road again, even if you were a Wolves pessimist for this season uh i just you know again two double digit losing streaks is just unheard of even for some of the worst teams in the league it's just usually it's just choppier than that right you'll steal one here or there and yeah maybe you have more five six seven game losing streaks kind of peppered throughout the season uh, but to just have two massive ones I, I just think it's so uh anomalous or just so you know you just couldn't have predicted that and i think it just again with the tickets sold too i think that was a big deal i think with these losing streaks the losing at home was also very notable we kind of forget about that too of like oh yeah you know the, all these games that they won of the night i wonder how many of the ga- 19 games that they won how many were on the road and it's just like you know it's probably over 10 you know it's probably like 10 or 12 of their wins were on the road <laughs> so you know it was just like compounded by the fact that they couldn't get it done at home at all and it's just yeah there's so many factors that led them to be last in the league and home home attendance and ticket sales uh but it really makes sense to me when you look at the losing streaks and how little they won at home yeah we were when we were planning this episode we were talking about maybe talking about our favorite moments that we spent in the target center (laughs) this season and we couldn't think of any good ones because it was just a negative affair all season long at home it was just like you know like you just said there's a lot of reasons why we had the worst attendance in the league but a major one is that we just could not play good games in minnesota this season so i mean i guess you could say one of the quote-unquote good things that maybe comes from all the losing uh you know was the ability to really overhaul the roster right like if things were if this was a 500 team if they were on pace for 38 wins even or something like that I don't know that you know um, you know Gerson Rosas would you know be able to you know really think that this was a you know big big changes were needed um, whereas, whereas you know I think it you know so there's gonna be a lot of good that maybe comes from this this overhaul I think it's even a better team position around Carl Anthony Towns now it's a better looking roster for for what they're trying to do I don't know if it'll be successful, but uh, you know, as far as what they're trying to do, I feel like they potentially have uh, some better personnel here. So the trade, yeah, the this trade. is the third part of the season, the th- third season, because I said three seasons in one. Yeah, the third season is new wolves overhauling the roster and riding out the season with a bunch of new faces. I think uh, the point you made about the losing making it easier to trade guys was especially true for Robert Covington. He was the one guy where we were like, well, we could get good value for him now, but we could also just keep him on this amazing contract for the next two years because you know he, he's a great player to have but when we when we lost that many games with him it's hard to you know protest when they decided to move him so I think him more than anyone else but we can take a look at the people who started the season with the Wolves who got traded that includes uh fan disfavorite Jeff Teague um who you know it's going to be funny to look back at Jeff Teague's time with the Timberwolves years in the future because he was here longer than I think people realize. His stats, you know, he got a lot more than people realize because he had been here for a few seasons. But uh, he was kind of reviled and everyone celebrated when we sent him out the I door. I think, you know, not that we're not going to do it. We're not going to talk about each of these guys individually. But Teague, I think, you know, th- just thinking about it, they just replayed the game 82 
uh, from the 17-18 season and just seeing Teague there and just I, he, I, I stand up for what he did that season. He was a big reason why the Wolves made the playoffs that year. I mean, obviously it was it was Butler and Towns, but you know Jeff Teague was really good that year. I think and yeah, you know he still had some defensive problems <laughs> and still record scratching those threes, but uh, he was really really good that year. And so you know I, I will you know on the, on the topic of how you look back on Jeff Teague, I, I will remember him fondly despite kind of how he went out. Yeah, it's just a bummer. Year two, he really fell fell down with injuries. And then this season, we talked about how he didn't seem right for the first 20 games. We speculated why if he was playing with injured feet. We talked about him wearing those torn up LeBron uh, Timberland uh, (laughs) Tim's uh, shoes because they're the only ones that would fit his feet because of some kind of mystery injury they wouldn't tell us about. And And then by this season, not only is he coming in injured and mysteriously injured, but he's definitely not a fit for this system where you know it's ball movement and shooting because he likes to pound the rock into the ground and then you know try and get a foul in the paint (laughs) so he he was just a you know definitely didn't fit with this team so it was a weird saga for Jeff Teague yeah so Teague and Travion Graham were traded uh on the on I believe the 15th of uh January traded to Atlanta uh, what did we get back on that deal, Scott? What did, they, what, did they, what did they trade for? I can't actually remember. Was it picks or? It was Cool Breeze. Oh, Alan yeah. Crabb. Yeah, Alan Crabb. Yeah. Didn't so finish it, the season on the team. That's why I don't, don't remember him. My bad salary for your bad salary. Yes. Yeah, kind of a salary dump uh, kind of thing there. Um, and then and then the big deal. The big deal, uh, kind of, well, two two separate Ca- deals, right? Yeah, came around the same time. I believe the first one was technically we traded Rocco first. Um, we traded him to Houston. It was a multi-team swap. Um, basically we got, essentially we got back a first round pick and some of the Denver guys. Um, so do we want to talk about all the players who left before we start talking about the players who came in or? Yeah. I mean, I guess we can just do a deal by deal, you know? So yeah. Who, who'd we get, uh, in that, in that Covington trade? Um, so I believe if I have this right, Rockets got Covington, Denver got Keita Bates, Diop, Shabazz, Napier. I think Jordan Bell ended up on Memphis. Memphis, maybe? yeah, Memphis. And Von Lay, he went somewhere and got waived. I think maybe he ended up with the Nuggets. Yeah. But coming in from that trade, we got Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Jared Vanderbilt, and um, James Johnson, because Gorgie was included in that deal. Yep. And um, Evan Turner, who ended up never playing a game for us. And uh, we also got a pick, a first round pick from right. the Nets. It's it's a Nets first round pick that'll either it looks like it'll convey this season. Yeah, because I, I don't anticipate any more games being played mm-hmm. this season. And the Nets had the second sixteenth best record, which is kind of like the best. Uh, you know, they're not technically in the lottery, which means we get to keep their pick, but they're almost in the lottery. You know, just because they ba- barely made the playoffs. Yeah, so that's going to end up being a good pick. Um, and then the other deal was obviously Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Jacob Evans, Omari Spellman, and I think that's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and the Wolves obviously also trading their uh, uh, 2021 first-round pick in that deal as well. That's a huge thing. That um, uh, I listened to a podcast, uh, Nate Duncan's Dunked On um, podcast, I listen to all the time, and they recently did a ranking of all of the um, owed picks that are out there right now in trades, and they ranked it number one, the number one owed pick, uh, future future owed pick in the league right now um, is that pick because just potentially how bad the Wolves could be next year, and you know they no matter what essentially wait, it's it's protected in some way it's it's top. I'm not sure the protect protections totally on it, but it's it's kind of loose, right? I think it's like top yeah. three protected or something like that. Yeah, so, I think that's it. Yeah, it's like top three protected. It, it so might it, not even be that. 
Yeah, so I mean that that, that our pick is basically going to uh, Golden State next year, no matter what. So the Wolves better hope that they're uh, you know not in the lottery or something, something like that, because that is a very very valuable pick uh, to be trading off there. So yeah, so that's interesting. Um, but I think the amazing thing is because the whole season was, are we going to get D'Angelo Russell? Uh, even when we were playing well, he loomed over us uh, because yeah. we had gone so out of our way to try and get him in the off season. And Rosa seemed confident even after we didn't get him that we could still get him. And so all season, people were asking about Russell, even when it seemed like we weren't going to trade for him. I don't think any of us expected that Andrew Wiggins was going to be the one leaving just because before this season, he was considered to have one of the three most untradeable contracts in the league. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was, you know, again, as the it was the rumors and discussion around, you know, last summer during the free agency period and, you know, the Wolves courting uh, Russell and how it would all work and all that stuff. And then when he goes, you know, he goes to uh, Golden State instead, then all of a sudden it's like, OK, what would you trade? You know, what do you want? Do you want Russell or whatever? And to me, it was, you know, all the deals kind of surrounded, you know, Covington and picks and, you know, all these other things like Wiggins couldn't possibly traded where, you know, that, like you said, it kind of wasn't even on our radar. That was a possibility that Wiggins could be the person in that in that deal. And I, I think to me, that's why the deal is a good one. I don't love Russell necessarily as a player. I think he's kind of overrated and, you know, we'll see how he fits around towns. But, you know, and we'll see where the pick ends up as well. Yeah. So there's a lot to be written on that. But I think, you know, to me, it's a lot better of a deal. The fact that you got off of Wiggins, um, even if Russell and towns isn't the best pairing, I think it's going to be better than what Wiggins was doing. And again, it just speaks to what Andrew's beginning of his season was, because I think before the season started, maybe his value wasn't there where the, that trade wouldn't have gotten done. But then he, you know, he shows those flashes that he did in the beginning of the season. And then throughout, he was, you know, inconsistent as he kind of is. But, you know, he still showed an expanded game as far as passing the ball, rebounding the ball, doing a little bit more. So I think it made it possible for Golden State to then des- decide on that uh, when February rolled around, when the trade deadline ro- rolled around. So, you know, props to Andrew for raising up his trade value a little bit bit to make this thing happen yeah i think that for outside observers the people who just check the box scores because they can't really be bothered to watch timberwolves games and who can blame them you know (laughs) if i was a national media writer i probably wouldn't have tuned in for too many timberwolves games uh but i think the consensus was oh andrew wiggins had this great start to the season then kind of regressed to his old ways but i think what happened was andrew obviously when towns went down andrew became the focus Uh, everyone was going to defend andrew and he doesn't get that uh slack that having towns on the court granted him but he still had changed his game it's like you said in the way that he was still passing the ball more he was rebounding the ball better and most importantly his shot selection had changed completely so even when his numbers went back down to a more Andrew Wiggins like level uh, he was still not taking the long twos he was still you know displaying the new shot chart pretty much of all in the paint or from three and so I, I think that there. There's a little bit of a storyline that Andrew Wiggins regressed to his old self, and that's just not the case. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, anything else on these new guys, Sky? I mean, I guess it's it's kind of like you mentioned. It's sort of sad that we didn't really get to see Towns and, and Russell play. They play one game together? Is that what it was? Or, or was it zero? Yeah, I yeah, think just so. I one. think it was in Toronto. Yeah, just that one. So, you know, that's kind of the tragedy of it all is that you didn't really get to see. I mean, you make this deal you'd like, to, especially with how many of these guys are free agents, uh, you'd like to sort of see how they fit with your franchise player and the guy you're building everything around. But just 
wasn't it in the would car. would be nice. Yeah, so that's just kind of the hard part, I guess, is that, you know, a lot of these guys look pretty good sort of in a vacuum or just, you know, hey, with uh, they lost a lot of games and everything, but hey, Beasley looks pretty good. Hernan Gomez, I could see being part of the team. A lot of these guys seem like they could fit, but you don't ultimately know exactly what it looks like. You don't have really any minutes of game tape to really study to see, you know, how it might all work. So that's something that's going to be a challenge, I guess, for the front office this summer is to just kind of make sense of all that. Yeah, I think the you know the big name was obviously D'Angelo. Everyone was talking about him all season when we finally got him. But I think the big surprise for everyone was Malik Beasley, who was so hot once he got here. And I think kind of obscures maybe some of his weaknesses because of how good his shooting was. Like I, I had people talking to me like he was a three and D kind of guy, and I'm like he's not a D. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, half of that is correct. There, there's no defense there, and so I think that's you know potentially problematic if you're looking at your top three. Pay- paid players D'Angelo Beasley and Towns how much defense is that going to get you but I think that that was the star of the trade deadline because D'Angelo was a little injured and you know he he, uh, had a couple up and down games but when you saw Malik Beasley he made a big splash and so I think that was the biggest surprise of the trade deadline was nobody had Beasley on the radar and then he came in and he made you know just a ton of threes and got everyone super excited. The last big storyline we want to talk about is uh, how much the young guys got to play this season. And uh, Iowa Wolves. <laughs> go Iowa Wolves. Yeah, it was a very Iowa Wolves season. And, uh, yeah, that's also just, a, again, a sort of a symptom of how this year went and just the losing and the injuries and, you know, the upheaval and everything just led to, you know, really having to go down to your young, your youngest players and your bench guys maybe, like you said, your G League guys, to get in there and play, uh, you know. So, that you know, that's bad, I guess, when you think of it from the beginning of the season of how this year would turn out. It's like, oh, wow, look at the minute totals on some of these young guys. Things might not have gone so well. But when, you know, if you, you take that in stride that the season did go poorly it's it's good that you did get these guys the run you did get to look at them you got them got them out there to play a lot of NBA minutes and really give them a lot of experience because if you're not going to be good at least you can give minutes to uh, some of your most developing players and the Wolves have a couple you know high lottery picks and other guys where you know really benefits them to kind of see what they have there Um, so yeah so so big minutes for some of the young guys Scott What, what, what do you think about when uh when we talk about this well, I think about the new front office. We we really didn't go over that because that was more of a preseason kind of right, thing. But yeah. we completely turned over the front office. Pretty much all new coaches besides Ryan. And you know, some it's been kind of a mixed bag you, with the new front office. I have a lot of faith in them, but the Culver pick looks a little shaky right now. And you know, some of the decisions, maybe like going after D'Angelo, you know, going D'Angelo or bust, kind of makes you wonder a few things about the new front office. But the two things I found most impressive from the new front office is one. Obviously, the new system of play, implementing that and being like, we don't care if we have the players for it, we'll find the players for it, but we need to play this way. That was refreshing. But I think the most impressive thing the front office did was their relationship with the Iowa Wolves because we went from being one of the worst teams in the league. Like We didn't have our own D-League affiliate. That really bugged me for years. I mean, go back. Longtime podcast listeners know I would complain about it all the time. Like Smart well, NBA teams own their own D-League and they have a really integrated system between the two. And it just seemed like Iowa was like a different franchise than us even when we were sending people there yeah, so the this is the only like one of like five teams who didn't have their own affiliate it was ridiculous so now and i think it's only denver i think denver still doesn't have their own but i think they're the only ones now uh so yeah they finally, we'll finally got on board with that trend 
yeah, and it, it was just something that smart teams did. And so we finally got a smart front office, and they did it in a great way where they're running the same system on both levels. We could see the Iowa Wolves guys get called up and run the system better than the Timberwolves were doing it because the Timberwolves are still have their habits from playing NBA basketball, whereas all the Iowa Wolves guys learned the system really well down in Iowa and were plug-and-play whenever we needed them. And so I think that being able to find – rare gems like maybe Nasri we have him locked up on a really cheap uh, deal that's the kind of you know work in the margins that you need to do to become a championship caliber team I know we have a lot of other things we have to fix before we become championship caliber but you you look at teams like Toronto last year and to be a championship contending team you have to be able to get the 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 players good players on small contracts aspect right and discover some of these guys and what we saw from the Iowa Wolves was just a bunch of really encouraging guys who seem to be plucked out of the scrappy yeah i mean to keep it on the iowa guys um you know just so many here i mean that just got a lot of run uh talking about uh, jordan mclaughlin uh keelan martin nas reed Kata. Uh, yep Kata bates yeah can't forget about him the dearly departed uh you know so those are kind of the big four that you look even jalen jalen yeah. noel jalen got some run uh, at the end of the season uh appeared in in uh, 15 games this season for the Wolves, man, Jalen only twenty years old. Wild! I didn't realize he's only twenty. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so yeah. it's encouraging, and you know, shout out to all of our fans in Des Moines. I would like to come down and see an Iowa Wolves game next season. We talked about it. White Claw Wednesdays. Yeah, we keep talking about it, but someday we'll get down there to Des Moines. Don't worry. Um, and then I guess to to pivot a little bit to the to the high profile young guys, uh, the youngsters who and, and hey, they were number one and number two. For the Wolves this year in minutes played, Josh Okogie, Jarrett Culver, um, both only two players on the team that played over 1,500 uh, minutes this season. They led the team in minutes played, and that's a good thing, right? They stayed healthy, and uh, they had them out there, right? Just uh, just doing yeah, their o- thing and o- trying to cut their o- teeth. Okogie had a few injuries, but he still ended up playing the most games of anyone and yeah, the most minutes. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it's good that uh, they got to run. I think, you know, Josh kind of had, I guess, what you would, you know, I think he had a positive second season. I think we kind of went into this season. Again, I I remember I was preaching, you know, patience with him and not thinking that it was going to be a big leap forward for him here in year two. But I was, you know, I I feel like, yeah, my my kind of uh, bar for him was just to kind of remain where he was and improve around the margins a little bit. Obviously, you'd like to see the three-point shot go in a lot more, and that's something that is really going to be a make-or-break thing for him. Him, um, you know, for his NBA career, whether he's a starter, whether he's a backup, um, and, you know, I think he does have the defensive skills. Um, if Chris Dunn can do it, then he can too. Of kind of be able to hang around the league and at least be in the league. I don't think he's going to be out of the league if he doesn't get a jump shot. But he's better than Chris Dunn, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Um, so you know, Kogi, I think he kind of had about as good of a season as he did last year with some improvements here or there. But just again, yeah, the, the durability. He came in uh, a little tired. He had played all summer for oh, Nigeria, yeah. Yeah. and he said in retrospect he wouldn't have done that, knowing how he was kind of fatigue and injury issues for the first part of the season. I remember being pretty disappointed with how he started, but after the trade deadline, he was you know so key in playing some of the, his best basketball ever um, after the trade deadline. I remember being really impressed by Josh for the last 20 games or so of the season. So I'm very encouraged about what kind of improvements he made this season and what kind of improvements we can expect next season, because I think once he kind of played himself into shape there, you know, got his legs back under him, he actually did some really great things. And like some of my 
my favorite moments. You know, Trevion Graham couldn't shoot, you know. That ended up being a running joke for us this season. But I remember early on watching games where you have Rocco, Okogi, and Trevion Graham on the floor at the same time and just being like, I feel so bad for the opposing team because we're just we're scooping up all these passes, all these pick-and-roll passes. We're just stealing the ball right out of their hands. And that was such a terrifying defensive lineup. I, I'll, I'll always relish those games. Yeah, and then Jared Culver, um, you know, also uh, super young. I mean, Josh is 21, Jared's 20. So, I mean, he had uh, kind of a rough season as far as, a, you know, such a high draft pick, a top 10 pick, um, you know, is. And, uh, you know, he just had, had a tough year shooting the ball and, uh, you know, shooting free throws and that kind of thing. You know, lots of growing pains, I guess, here for Jared Culver. Definitely. Super um, high degree of difficulty for him, too, with his yeah. role being changed all the time. It was like, okay, you're coming off the bench. Actually, no, now you're going to be starting and playing with our these other NBA starters. Oh, wait, now everyone's injured. We're going to need you. Oh, wait, now everyone's back. Let's give you, like, no minutes. You know, like, yeah. it felt like every few weeks his role had to change, and I think that's got to be really hard for a rookie in terms of his development. Yeah, and I think uh, we might have some award uh, with uh, with Jared's name on there, so we can talk more about him uh, later on here in this show. But I guess you know, right now we're talking about minutes, and I think he he got a lot of them. Right, you can't ask for much more than that. I mean, sure, it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest minutes out there, but at least he got those reps, and that's how young guys get better. You got you got to throw them to the wolves sometimes. Uh, to, to pardon the pun, to hey, to, really, to yeah, how, yeah, to to you know figure out what you have there. So at least he got to play. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that was encouraging that came out of him, as well as some huge red flags. So we could probably talk about him more later. But um, yeah, he had a very polarizing season, I think. Definitely not what anyone expected. All right, let us know if we missed anything from uh, some of our you know, biggest storylines or moments or uh, kind of uh, ideas from this season. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at WolvesCast. We'd really appreciate that. All right, Scott, let's get to our sponsor right now. Uh, it is a you know, season recap episode here for us uh, at WolvesCast, and uh, we want to recap our sponsors from this year. It's something we like to do at the end of every season. Kind of go We're back so, and say thank so you. So appreciative, you know? Yeah, we we need the we need our sponsors uh, to help us keep the lights on and everything. So we're just gonna run down some uh, some of our faves from this year, Scott. Uh, I'll get it started off. We uh, this is pretty uh, this is pretty much uh, uh, in order of how the season went uh, chronological here. We had a howl hour, our uh, sister podcast, just an hour of people howling, and uh, we just howled a lot. That's uh, that's a great show. Definitely go check out the howl hour. Here's just a little sample. Oh. It's very relaxing. It's riveting. It's very, very zen. Riveting audio. Uh, we want to give a huge shout out to Small Samples. Introducing Small Samples, the biggest way to get a little taste. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, we were aware early on we were riding high on our own supply. Uh, first couple <laughs> weeks, we knew it wasn't going to last, but uh, we, we trumpeted the, uh, the benefits of Small Samples and how they could bring us joy. We had the Test Kitchen by Scott Olstead, a co-host oh, yeah. of this uh, show, and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's a new concession stand in, sec- in the upstairs uh, 226. You know, we got uh, Chef Mima downstairs serving up his test kitchen. And well, Scott has his own up in uh, 226. So maybe we'll get renewed uh, for a second season uh, next year, Scott. We'll see. 
yeah, a lot of gourmet options like Hot Pockets and uh, other really simple dishes that I know how to make. I can't wait for next season. I'm going to expand my menu to include like uh, Chef Boyardee products. Um, next up, we had Ticking Off Towns. Today's sponsor is Ticking Off Towns, the brand new program designed to teach you how to piss off the NBA's bi- best big man. That's right. Towns has, uh, has some mood problems, and we, we just were telling other teams, well, this is how you get under Towns' skin. Yeah, I wonder how many techs he would have gotten if he would have played the whole season. I don't know. That's a lot. Uh, we had the Timberwolves Team Store Black Friday sale. That kind of speaks for itself, you know. Just had to, you know, had to make sure that you know that you can go there for Black Friday, all your Black Friday needs. A lot of people weren't aware of those deals, so I'm really happy we brought that to the people. Uh, one of our more popular uh, ads of the season, or one of our most popular sponsors, that is now thriving in Denver. Let me tell you, is KBD's TBD CBD. It's KBD's uh, CBD company and uh, thriving in Denver, where everything's legal and. And, uh, it's not TBD know, anymore, Scott. It's not TBD. It is NOW. I think that goes down. That's my favorite pod, That's my favorite sponsor of the year. Shout out to yeah. KBD's TBD CBD. Just, just you know, great, great company. And wow, you wrote the copy, perfect, Scott. Uh, just uh, how about you drop a link in the show notes so people can go listen to that one. Yeah. All right. Next up, we had jersey onesies. That's right, onesies that look like NBA jerseys. We don't have to worry about tucking in your jersey or getting snitched on, uh, snitched upon by Chris Paul with jersey onesies. Never have your jersey untucked again. We had uh, losers anonymous. Uh, obviously, lots of losing going on for the Wolves this year, like we spoke about. Lots of uh, long losing streaks, and sometimes you just need a phone line. You got to call in. You need a group you can meet with uh, to, you know, counsel your issues there for uh, the Timberwolves and losing. We had Pack Gives Back program. You've probably seen when the Timberwolves go to Target and buy Christmas gifts for kids. They took it a step further this year with bringing kids to holiday parties, you know, having your kind of like office party with all the craziness, but also for children. Oh, yeah, we had uh, the Rest Kitchen by David Fema. You know, we had to go, we had to double up. We love this idea. Uh, for real, the Test Kitchen, the Test Kitchen, very delicious. Stop by there. I hope they do that again next year. But we also had uh, David Fema's Rest Kitchen. That's where he uh, cooks you some lazy meals like Pop Tarts. Yeah, I don't think we have another part in the episode where we'll talk about this, but David Fema's Test Kitchen is one of the best ideas they introduced to Target Center this year. Very cool. Uh, great cook with rotating recipes, something new every game. Uh, awesome idea. Um, then we had Zillow real estate listings. You know, a lot of Timberwolves had to move around uh, around the trade deadline, so Zillow was here to help them find new homes. As we do every single season, uh, we had to throw our uh, annual Wolves Cast All Star Party, and uh, you know, we had to bring that uh, to Chicago here in uh, 2020. And wow, it was a great party. I'm still getting over my hangover from that night, Scott. It, uh, it was it was a banger. Any rumors that this is where coronavirus started spreading in the United States are all false. Yes. That's fake news. There was no Corona at our Wolves Cast All-Star Party, even though everyone was there. Uh, next up, we had the Nas Reed foul machine. You know, Nas Reed had fouls to give. So if you wanted a foul in your life, you could do that by purchasing the Nas Reed foul machine. Of course, uh, D'Angelo Russell, his nickname is uh, D-Loading. His uh, kind of Twitter handle, his Instagram handle, social media handle, D-Loading. So uh, we were proud to be sponsored by the D-Loading basketball router. Just a really fast router. Just, just crazy breakneck speeds on that thing. That's right. Barely ever have to power cycle it. And then finally, we had uh, all your stock tips from Wolf's Cast of Wall Street. We told you when to sell, when to buy, and gave you our hottest insider trading advice. 
Uh, yeah, so just thank you to everybody who sponsored the show this year. We, uh, you know, we really appreciate that, and uh, lots of great sponsors. And yeah, we're we're on track to continue this show. So you know, let us know what you want to do for uh, this summer and beyond. We're we're open did, for business. Did we have a Dolph Lockwood half price sports exorcism? You know, I didn't see this year? one, but I'm sure there was one. We usually do that one. He had he had such a good year in the past yeah. year. It was like the Raptors won the championship, the Kansas City Chiefs won the championship, uh, the St. Louis Blues won a championship. Uh, the Washington Nationals won a championship. The Bucks it might a, have been next. I don't know. Yeah, or the it Clippers. was a very, very good year for Dolph Lockwood's half price sports exorcisms.com. Yeah, totally. All right, well, let's keep things moving here. It's time for the season Wolfies. This is not weekly Wolfies. That's where you, we give awards for things that happened sort of in the last week. This is our season Wolfies. We got awards for the entire year. We got some, we got some ones that you might recognize and some other ones that you might not. We kind of got to roll through this guy here. Let's start at the top. Obviously, MVP. MVP of the season. Obviously, the Timberwolves' best player is Carl Anthony Towns, but I was kind of wondering if we think that there's a different player who maybe played more games than Towns. Scott, what do you think about that idea? Is it still Towns, or are you giving a little bit of you know recognition to Wiggins or even Gorgie Jang for their performances here? I was very on the fence about this before we recorded, but now that we're you know warmed up in prime podcasting form right now, I know for sure. It's Andrew Wiggins, everybody. He played himself from being one of the most untradeable contracts, an anchor that was going to sink the wolves, to improving his game, taking large steps forward, and to the point where we can move his contract without you know definitely having to unload like a bunch of great assets. All we had to give up is a really good draft pick, and we got D'Angelo Russell back, so uh, I'd say MVP. VP Andrew Wiggins played way more games than Towns, shouldered the load, and improved his game enough that we could move his contract. So MVP in my eyes. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. I think uh, you know there's not there's basically no season where that would be the case for him. So it, I think it's I think it's nice to give it to him on his way out the door. You know, as a little nod for thank you for you know playing those minutes. And again, he, he again raised his game up. You know, to be able to be traded. So I, I'm comfortable with that one. We don't have to agree on all these, but I am. I just don't want to give it to Towns this he just didn't play enough he just wasn't I just when I think about this season I don't think about him you know uh so to me it was really either Wiggins or Jang um and and I'm cool with Wiggins yep let's put it in the rafters next up uh for a team that's not known for defense who was the defensive (laughs) player of the year I mean this is a shaky season for David Vanterpool's reputation you know because the defense was bad um but it's not the fault of these players uh our top three nominees are Josh Okogi, Hot Okogi. we have Gorgie Jane and the ever versatile all defense first team Robert Covington I'm gonna make case for Gorgie Jang I think I think he had the most uh, sort of on the floor impact. I think Okogi is right up there too. He is very, you know, dynamic and flashy, and, and obviously he passes the eye test of hustling all over the floor. But to me, Gorgie Jang made the made the most, uh, you know, material difference when he was on the floor. I don't have the on off numbers or anything like that in front of me, but just felt like Gorgie did a lot for our defense, and uh, I, I think I think he should be the winner this year. Uh, I disagree, but I respect your choice. Gorgie being in the starting lineup is what brought our defense into like the best of the league category because he actually played by Vanterpool's system. Towns didn't. Gorgie did. Gorgie showed if you just follow the system, we're going to be a good defense. But I think the linchpin of all of our defense was Robert Covington. He was playing up a size at four, uh, and you know a lot of people. He kind of was a shaky at the beginning of the season. I think that was a little bit of knocking off the rust from his offseason injury. But I think by the time we traded him, he was 
is just a fireball on defense. He could play one through four, switching. Like He was the guy who would switch on to everybody. Our, our defense only worked because of his versatility. I think he really adapted to that role. And even when Jane was playing great, it's because him and Rocco had such great chemistry together. So I'm going to give it to Robert Covington. Very nice. All right, next one, sixth man of the year. Nominees, uh, Shabazz Napier, James Johnson, Katie Bates-Diop, and uh, maybe even uh, Josh Okogie. Uh, who you like here, Scott? Sixth man of the year, bench bench player of the year, if you will. This is a tough one because the new Wolves only played so many games, but I'm yeah. going to go with James Johnson. I really like the influence he had the, on the team on and off the court. I guess six man kind of implies more what he did on the court, but he would come in and you know play the five against the other team's five and just like – when, I didn't know how I felt when Gorgie got traded for James Johnson because they both have one more year of high cap, you know, salary. But uh, after a couple games, and this is saying a lot because I love Gorgie. Man, uh, uh, guys, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, I love Gorgie Jade. But I saw Johnson play, and I said, I think we won the trade there because his his contributions on the court were incredible. He brings a toughness to this team that I always said we never really had a tough enforcer. Taj Gibson was probably our toughest guy in previous years, and even him, you know, he never really threw down. And James Johnson is a scary guy on the Timberwolves, so you do not want to F with. And I think that is a presence we've been missing from the Timberwolves since Nikola Pekovic. Yeah, Johnson, I think, uh, yeah, for the second half, post-trade for sure, pre-trade, and, and, uh, and I say for the whole season i'm gonna go with shabazz napier uh just really loved what he brought off the bench you know covering up fatigue and then really starting in place i don't even know if he qualifies technically for for this with how many games he started for the wolves and after they kind of moved jeff back to the bench or just moved him to the bench i think he had like a little injury issue or he was away from the team for a little bit and then it was kind of napier from then i remember it was a or i forget was even culver starting instead of teague i forget exactly yeah. how it all initially rolled out. it was Col- yeah. culver starting at the point guard but it was more point wiggins where yeah. culver was the secondary ball hand but yeah eventually Shabazz got some run and he earned the role and Ryan trusted him more so he did get to start some games and I I think that that's unfortunately going to be one of the most forgotten parts of the season is when Napier came up big for us all right what's next Scott most improved on the team we got our nominees, Josh Okogi. Uh, like I said, late on, later on in the season, he really turned on the burners. Uh, Kata Bates-Diop, a player so good after he started the season with Iowa Wolves, he got called up and we said, we're going to need you to stay here. Um, and then my pick, uh, Andrew Wiggins, who went from, a, like I said, the worst contract in the league almost to a player that you could trade. And I think that for the first time, really, I mean, Andrew's always taken baby steps every season. I think this is the first time he really committed to changing his game entirely in the sense that no more lawn twos pretty much everything he was doing was in the paint like all of it he was very kind of shaky from three-point line but if he got his foot in the paint he could finish at the rim so well and so i'm going to give it to andrew wiggins yeah wiggins uh as we've mentioned multiple times in the show definitely someone who uh, d- uh you know upgraded his game and expanded his game a little bit uh but i think you know i think wiggins had had, had more of a you know smaller incremental improvements where i was more impressed i think by the overall improvement of katie bates diop this year just you know how many minutes he played, how he was able to guard multiple positions, knock down the threes. I think, you know, he kind of, to me, went from a fringe NBA guy to like a definite rotation player this year. So even in a smaller role, a less important kind of player, to me, he made uh, he made a, a very big jump. So I'll give the edge to KBD on this one. Uh, I think it was influenced by us being at like his best game of the season. It was that <laughs> yeah. terrible game against the Suns where no no team could score, but Kata took like 20 shots and, and was one of the few guys who was carrying us on offense. 
most disappointing player of the year nominees Culver or Wiggins. I don't know how. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, to me, this one's Culver slam dunk, right? I, I mean, are you going to make the case for disappointing Wiggins here, Scott? After you gave him <laughs> most improved, I, I think it's funny because you could. That's the sure. enigma that he is Andrew Wiggins a little bit, but still was disappointing. <laughs> right? Yeah, in a lot of ways, but I think that it has to be Jared Culver, number six pick, had to trade up from the eleventh spot, trade our eleventh pick and Dario, so we could get the sixth spot. I don't think it's necessarily a bad trade because what was Dario going to do for us? Yeah, anyways? Dario didn't bad. have a good year. He was bad and, for Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm okay with not having Dario, um, but it still speaks volumes when we traded up for Jared Culver and then he was kind of a loud fart noise most of the season, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, like we said, he got that burn. He played 23, 20, you know, basically 24 minutes a game, uh, you know, played you know, 63 games, played, so basically played every single game. You know, the shot kind of came around around the very, very end of the season. A few more of those threes went in. He actually finished the season shooting uh, 29, basically 30% from three, and it was down in the low 20s throughout the most of the season. So you like to see that. And more than anything, taking them with confidence, I think, you know, kind of never really wavered, never really stopped taking them. Uh, but the free throw shooting. Obviously, is just oh the my biggest. God. The biggest the shooting overall, you know, E field goal percentage of forty six percent. That's really bad. But his free throw percentage for the season is also forty six percent. It doesn't seem right. It so seems bad. like a typo. So it seems like it can't be right. But just, just unbelievable. And that just really, uh, really makes you wonder about what um, he could potentially be if he can ever really become that kind of shooter. Uh, that's tough when his free throw shooting looks like that. It's damning is what it is. It's it's very damning. Uh, to waste a lottery pick, that's what the old Wolvescast regime, or not Wolvescast <laughs> regime, Yeah, the old Wolves regime was known for is like Derek Williams and having all these great lottery picks but never really landing on, on all-stars. And when you take someone at number six, you have a high expectation for the return in it. You know, he. there's a lot of ways we can look at silver linings of Jarrett Culver, but unless he really remakes his shot in a faster time than Ricky Rubio was ever made to, people say a shot's a thing. We're like, he can't fix it during the season. He has to fix it during the offseason. But we saw Ricky try to fix his shot in so many offseasons, and it never happened. It gives me a lot of worry to be like, yeah, it, he might be fixing his shot for years and years, at which point it, it's a waste of a pick. Yeah, so Culver, Culver, you're a, you're a winner here. Most disappointing. What's next, Scott? Uh, most underrated. Um, you Ooh. know, we talk about some of the highlights, uh, and some of the people we even talked about could be on the um, underrated list. We're thinking about Gorgie Jane, uh, Robert Covington, Shabazz Napier, and uh, maybe, maybe even Malik Beasley. Yeah, so definitely you got a couple guys here. Yeah, that's uh, you know. I don't know how Beasley got on this list. I think he's overrated, if anything. Yeah, yeah, I think he's just kind of unknown in some kind of ways. But, yeah, we'll see what he gets paid this summer and, and, and stuff like I that. Because the thing is he, he was so good at shooting uh, that I think people overrate him because they didn't see the flaws in his game like defense. I think in a weird way Towns may have a clip claim to this because you know obviously he was injured and most of the season he didn't play and it was a bad season but he took a big step forward in his game and maybe it's less about what he did to unlock his game and more about the system just being like hey Towns how about you shoot 10 three-pointers a game but the Towns we saw when he was healthy was a Towns we've never seen before so I think in a weird way he might be underrated um, but I don't think he's the most underrated who do you think it is I'm going to go Gorgie here I think uh, speaking again just like Kate I think he's another guy that was maybe on the fringe of the league 
league, uh, you know, at least perception wise, you know, especially at the center position, you know, probably the weakest position in the league. You, there's just so many guys who you can get to come in and give you 80% value of what, uh, you know, our super high player paid player can, can be. So I think, you know, Gorgie is very underrated though, because I, I, I think it's not really known necessarily that he has that corner three, um, that, has, you know, he has the mid range jumper, you know, he's just, he's just so solid on both ends. You know, his, obviously his defense is probably his best skill, but he's very good offensively too in, in, in a couple of different ways. And then you go with like the leadership and sort of sort of the off-court stuff or sort of the intangibles. I just think you, that whole package is pretty underrated. Uh, obviously, he's overpaid for what he is, but if you're just looking at the type of player and what he can do on the floor, I, I think it's him. I have to agree. I think that the three-point shooting of Gorgie was very underrated. He took a step forward in this way. I remember there was times where uh, Timberwolves read it. Shout out to our Timberwolves. was joking about, you know, they had a graphic of, like, centers in the league who could shoot over 40% from three, and it was Towns and, like, Nas and Gorgie. And they're like, oh, your your centers can't do that because we had three great three-point shooting centers on our team. Uh, so I think, yeah, Gorgie, always underrated. Great defensively, and I don't think people really realized how much he's improved his shooting. So uh, I think, yeah, Gorgie, another guy who we thought was an untradeable contract who played himself into being traded. Okay, social media. The best Timberwolves social media was Wiggins' girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> great following her stories. Oh, yeah. Just really great stories of her daughter, their daughter together, playing with Cassie and stuff. And, like, Andrew can't be bothered to do social media. But if you follow her, uh, just great content. Uh, most annoying, most annoying player this year for Wolves fans. I mean, I think Jeff Teague still, you know, this is his farewell to, to, to the team. He wins the most annoying award. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely the most rage-inducing, you know, you know, throw the remote at the TV when he uh, pump fakes his uh, fifth fifth three of the game or whatever, something like that. So most annoying player. Others here are Graham and Spellman, but, uh, you know, Graham really is the only one that holds a candle. But we're going to give it to Jeff right. Teague for most annoying. <laughs> Spellman was just about how he reacted to getting sent down. Iowa. Uh, best dressed. Neil, I want your opinion because you're uh, like a thousand times better dresser than me, but I like James Johnson style for being loud. He was always loud. You know? Yeah, big jackets, sure big hats, best. like really, exactly. r- really out there. And then that's good. You know, you want to see someone taking, taking, taking risks and kind of really going for it and not necessarily, you know, just, just kind of going by the playbook of what's hot right now. He's got his own thing going on. So I, I feel safe that uh, James Johnson is the guy here. Uh, we're going to, uh, you know, special shout out to D'Angelo Russell too has kind of got you know a nice. Uh, I think those two kind of have bonded over that again uh, on the social media level. I think there's lots of James Johnson and D'Angelo Russell kind of uh, you know talking to each other about what they're wearing type of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of great uh, D'Angelo on uh, Instagram. You know, Instagram stories of him criticizing play- his teammates' fashion and stuff. Uh, so follow D'Loading on Instagram. Best meme. Uh, shout out to all the Mr. Uh, Mr. Trebuchet memes. I think we really reached peak Gorgie Trebuchet. Uh, memes this season, but I think that one has to be Cat, where it's a photo of Cat. He has one finger on Joel Embiid's wrist, and then Joel Embiid is flopping for a foul. So Joel looks like he just got shot from a sniper, just crying, throwing his hands up, and Cat literally has one finger on his wrist, and that has been repurposed into so many different memes uh, that it's got to be the best one. Best off-court moment uh, has to be Halloween. We can't believe that this was uh, in this season. It feels like forever ago, as a lot of things do in our lives right now. Uh, but the Halloween party, all the costumes, so many great looks. I mean, I mean, obviously uh, Covington, um, you know, as uh, as Urkel, I believe, and Towns as the Joker. Um, My favorite one, Jordan Bell as Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, killing it. I mean, the whole every, the, 
I think it's it was great. Uh, this stands out because everybody really got into it. Like there weren't many people. I think there was like zero people who like didn't dress up. Basically, the whole team, like all the coaches, like everybody had something going on, and it was really funny. All the videos from that night, all the social media moments from that night were just so good, so funny, and just like it really. Again, this was October thirty first, so when the win streak was going on, and it was the best point of the season, arguably. So the good vibes were flowing, and you could really see it. And this was a good uh, example of kind of uh, how the team was uh, at that point in the year. We got a great podcast segment breaking it all down. So I agree with that. Uh, most heartbreaking departure this season, honorable mention, Andrew Wiggins. He was very polarizing to fans, but we saw him grow up here. He's in the top 10 in all kinds of Timberwolves record books. He's the top one in some cases. So he had a huge impact on franchise history. He was a good dude, even though he was very polarizing. But I think we can both agree most heartbreaking departure was Gorgie Jane, our guy. Just an amazing person doing some amazing humanitarian work. Uh, joy in terms of interviews off the court stuff in the locker room uh like we said the most underrated so i think that that was probably the biggest blow to our hearts was gorgie leaving best food at target center overall the belt still belongs to the parlor burger can't be so good yeah yeah it's gonna be hard to beat that it's such a high end it's such an amazing uh food item that is just very easy to do in a concession setting it's really hard to get both those things right it's you know and 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 so i think you know the parlor burger is kind of the venn right in the center of that venn diagram of already a delicious meal and you can pull it off on like a flat grill just in the back of a concession thing and then couldn't agree more and then the best new thing uh is uh, is uh, we're gonna give it to the korean barbecue philly um uh, you know kind of the sub or the hoagie i guess uh, philly you know philly cheesesteak uh, from style. molten melts that's right. So we'll see if that one comes back for next year. Uh probably probably should. It was it was very Big good. Fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. molten melts was good. Yeah. All right, and then favorite in-person Target Center moment. We didn't have one. We, we couldn't figure out. This. Yeah, we couldn't bad. find one. We remembered our worst moment was when we went to that Phoenix game where both teams shot like way under 40%. Uh, so worst moments, but not favorite moments. And then let's be a little self-referential. Let's get a little high on our own supply. Also so on that Phoenix that game, reference. Ricky didn't play. We got to say, right? I believe oh, that was the case. That yeah. would be like, oh, yeah, we're going to see Rubio. And it's like, nope, yeah. he's not. not, oh, not, not he's in the building, but he's not dressing. Heartbreaking. Um, and so a few podcast awards. We're just going to do this really briefly. I think the best episode of the season was Hot Okogi with Becky and Meg. Uh, we had Becky and Meg, our wives, host the entire episode. I was just a producer of the episode. And uh, that was probably the most unique. It was definitely the episode I shared the most. I sent it to so many people being like, hey, if you don't listen to our podcast normally, check out this episode. So I'd highly recommend you go back to it. Also great episode title, Hot Okogi. Yeah, full agreement here, especially I think it's good. I think it's good for both. If you've never heard it, uh, maybe not. If you've never heard it, but especially if you're, you've seen, if you listen to every episode of this, it's just a way to kind of know us better and kind of understand our lives a little bit deeper. I thought it was definitely, uh, definitely a highlight of this season. Uh, best episode title. Um, I, I like uh, I like Diet Roco. You know, Diet Roco. I'm not sure who we were speaking of when we were talking about Diet Roco. Scott, do you remember who? Yeah, surely that was like a, a reference to a player who was like him, but not quite. Yeah, maybe like Josh Okogie or something. But yeah, Diet Roco was a great episode title. Neil pulls off all these titles. I, it's always one of the highlights of me of recording. As we get done recording, then tomorrow morning I get to see the episode title. And he usually pulls it from just some random non sequitur or funny turn of phrase that we use. And usually it's something we say kind of off the cuff that we didn't plan to say. So I also enjoyed Honey Stinger Waffle. Yeah, which uh, Covington 
Covington, I think, is now endorsing them. Yeah, he's a sponsor. <laughs> I love it. Get the, cash those checks, Roko. All right, and a few more here. Best game or best games. Uh, we have the the best win uh, would be uh, the win against uh, the Clippers, one forty two, one fifteen, or the Heat. Uh, best uh, the game uh, we won in Miami. Uh, these games, I think, are the top two, most referenced by the fact that they're two of the classic Wolves games that FSN has been playing here. And uh, as we, um, you know, as we don't have new live the, NBA games, the Clippers game, you get like the high of the crowd going nuts because it was like, here's your first introduction to these new players. Oh, by the way, we're running one of the best three teams in the league off the floor. Um, but it was such a blowout. I kind of like the Heat game because we were in Miami. It was neck and neck. It was way more tense. It came down to like Jimmy Butler trying to play hero ball and turning it over like three times in the final minute and then including a block, a triple block. But technically, D'Angelo Russell, our new star, got the block on Jimmy Butler, the most hated NBA player for uh, Timberwolves fans. Uh, I think that was a thrill as well. But I, I would also be remiss if I didn't shout out the second game of the season was Towns' best game of the season. It was at Charlotte. We watched that game when we were like blowing our, our minds were blown because it was like Towns has reached a whole new level. He's gone super saiyan. In the second game of the season, he had 37 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists, four steals, two blocks on four of seven three point shooting. He was 13 of 18 for the night. And it was just like, oh my God, if t- this is going to be Towns, we are in the playoffs, no doubt. And it was just thrilling to be like, oh my God, he's reached another level, you know? Yeah, and there's uh, definitely that. There's some. There was a few good, really good talent performances here, despite uh, him kind of having a down year as far as not playing many games. Uh, worst, uh, worst game, worst loss. Uh, you know, a couple contenders here. Um, the February third game this at is Sacramento. It, that, I don't think it was at Sacramento. I remember it being at home. Oh, okay. So I'm not it was sure a different if it's game. The right then. Right. But it was the game where we had like a 27 point lead and we blew it. We had like a 17 point lead in the final three minutes and like a 10 point lead in the final minute. And it was like set all these records for like teams have never lost like thousands and thousands of games in NBA history the team has never lost when it had that big of a lead and we just blew it and it was during our losing streak so it was like you know losing game number 13 or something where it was just like oh my god we've been losing for like a month and we gave this game away to the Sacramento Kings definitely in the darkest moments of the season yeah, and then tuck in gate two. Can't forget about that. Uh, losing in overtime against Oklahoma City again. It just just brutal to kind of lose. Just one of the weirder, you know, just league-wide. Not even Timberwolves games of the year. That had to be one of the weirdest moments just in any NBA regular season game this year. Very, very strange way to go out. And, like, I want to say I respect Chris Paul because he had such a great renaissance season. I mean, the Thunder were, like, fourth in the West or something when the, everything yeah. ended. But I can't. I can't respect you, Chris Paul, because of the snitch behavior. Oh, my God. I, I <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and Scott, you talked about some most memorable, just some of those, some of those, those towns moments and stuff like that. Those are incredible. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the game. We're running way over time. Do we want to do the game, Neil? All right. So we'll save this for the future. Um, I had some fun s- facts about who season leaders for the Timberwolves as well as our classic game Neil I'm re-asking you all the questions you got wrong during the season in various games but we'll just we'll take a rain check because one we are the the upside of this whole coronavirus shortened season is I think you and I are actually going to do more off-season podcasts than we normally do usually it's end of the season we'll see you at the draft we'll see you at free agency but Neil and I have a bunch of ideas about how to keep this going so I'd expect every other week it seems like that might be a schedule for you and I Um, we're going to continue 
you run in this stuff. So I can save this game for another time because for all Wolf's Cast fans, you're going to get a lot more episodes than you normally do. Yeah, maybe we'll have a whole show where it's only games or something like that. I, I don't know. We could, there's a lot of different things we can do. Yeah, especially because it's so indetermined what's going to happen for the rest of the NBA season and you know when the draft will be and all that. So yeah, you can expect uh, more shows coming uh, here from us uh, over the upcoming few months here until things get figured out, until we have an official offseason and we're kind of in limbo right now. So might as well just keep doing shows. Real quick, Neil, who played more games for the Wolves this season, Wiggins or Rocco? Oh, wow. Probably Wiggins? Rocco, 48 versus 42. Oh, wow. Which Iowa Wolf played the most games? Uh, For Iowa or for the Timberwolves? For For the the Timberwolves. For the Timberwolves. uh, Probably uh, McLaughlin? It was Kata Bates, Diop at 37. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keelan had 31. Jay Mack and Nas had 30. Oh, okay. So kind of close to all of them, really. Nas played... Nas played one more game this season than uh, Noah Vonley did for us. Very nice. Well, yeah, like Scott mentioned, uh, you know, that's our season recap. But uh, we got uh, plans for more shows coming up bi-weekly or every other week. I'm not, never sure if bi-weekly means two per week or every <laughs> bi-monthly, I guess. Or again, I don't know what it means. <laughs> Nike, Nike lied to us. Basketball actually does stop. Yes. But, or sleep. Sleep. But we don't. We're going to be here uh, just because of the season recap. You know, it's kind of a moment in time. I want to give a thanks to all of our guests this season. We had some of our typical ones. John Meyer at EIC, uh, Canis Hoopus, always good to have him on the show. Uh, Rob with an H, Robert with an H, always, uh, you know, good for the Jeopardy, great co-host. And uh, like we mentioned before, Becky and Meg, our wives, coming back for their uh, Timberwolves, I mean, Wolves cast encore. And then some new guests. We had a co-host, Jared Jacobs, finally coming on the pod. Uh, that was great to have. And our favorite expert on Timberwolves injuries, Lucas. Seahopper. You say the last name. Yeah, Seahopper. Yep. I, that's totally what I was going to say. So thanks to all of our many guests this season. Can't wait to have you on again in the future. Yeah, maybe we'll have some of those uh, extra guests here coming up in these summer summer shows, too. You never know who you find on Wolves cast here in these different times but yeah that's right keep checking us out at canis hoopus and as well on uh, twitter at wolvescast and on instagram at wolvescast pod check us out there and yeah we'll be back uh in uh, two weeks with another podcast thanks for listening and let us know who do you think is the mvp who do you think is the most disappointing i want to know your answers so hit us up leave it in the comments at wolvescast on twitter uh i guess ig that's weird though so twitter or comments (laughs) on canis hoopus let's do it until next time how y'all doing? It's Josh Okogie from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I'm here to show you, Junior NBA, how you can use your time wisely indoors to still stay active and get some exercise with the basketball.